0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Good to be with you guys this morning. Really good. Love seeing you. All right. Well, we are in our second week of a new sermon series that um, if I were still a student, it would horrify me because we're talking about vocabulary words And uh, those were kind of my undoing when I was a a kid in in elementary school. But for us, it is very, very important that we uh, talk about the things that we're talking about, because what we're talking about are these major, major concepts that are important to the Lord uh, and reveal his character and reveal his kingdom. And in each of these words that we're going to be discussing, there's this huge invitation to us, essentially to leave the thinking of the world and secular mindsets and all of that stuff, and to really go deep into understanding who we are and who God is and what the kingdom of God is like. And so Molly and I are really, really sold and convinced on what we're up to, and I'm excited about um, today in particular. And I just have to tell you guys that if you don't run home and apply today's message I don't know what to do with yet. Honestly, like this is this is the best thing going. So I hope that every one of you guys will just say I am in. I want this. I'll do everything that you say, Kevin, no matter what you say. That's what I ask for at home as well. It never works out. Um, But anyway, so today's word is the word Sabbath. Today is about Sabbath, okay? And um, I want you guys to know right at the top that I'm going to be drawing extensively from a book that I'm reading called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I am loving this book. I would encourage you guys to read it. Um, And so just for a moment, just as we're getting started, we're going to dig really, really deeply into this concept. I'm going to define it later. But for the moment, let's think about... Sabbath is taking a day Every week, to step away from life and to rest in God that 'll be just kind of like our very, very quick working definition, okay, but before I talk about what Sabbath is, I want to talk about why we need Sabbath and i 'm going to go hard in the paint to try to, to make a case that you need to really um, receive god 's call to uh, to participate in sabbath i 'm going to give you all kinds of reasons because it 's important that I win your heart over if your heart isn 't all. And you might be saying, hey, you don't need to convince me that I need a break. Um, The problem is, is that I've got young kids or, you don't, you know, you don't need to convince me that I need uh, a break, but I have to work on Sundays or my kids are, you know, participating in all kinds of sports on Sundays and they won't reschedule those. You may have all kinds of reasons why um, you don't do Sabbath rest, maybe already sense that it might be going, but I want to just challenge our thinking on this. And I hope I can shift your thinking about how you do Sabbath. And Jesus said this in Matthew 19. He said, everyone, this is for us, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property or fill in the blank, whatever it is, anyone who has given up any of that stuff, They will receive 100 times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. You see, we are called to live our lives differently than the rest of the world. We are called to live in a different kingdom. And when we do our lives God's way, I want you to know that there is multiplied blessing that God wants to bring us. But of course, there are a million pressures on us that would pull us away from the Sabbath, right? I mean, we all know this. Um, and and I, the cultural waters that we swim in, like, you know, I want you guys to think about our culture here in the Chicago suburbs, first century America, that culture. Americana is sort of like what water is to a fish. It's our environment. It's what we're surrounded by. It's what we breathe in and breathe out. And it is what influences us. I hope you understand whether or not we give it permission to do that or not, right? It is just the stuff that surrounds us. And it it defines for us what is good. It defines for us what is beautiful. It defines for us what is to be pursued. It defines success to us. Our culture tells us how to look. It tells us how to spend our time and our money. It tells us how to understand sexuality. It tells us how to understand religion and politics, what is just and unjust, what is good and bad, right? This is the air that we breathe in. And I hope you guys understand that our culture is just filling us. It's soaking into our pores. It's what our teachers teach. It's what our friends and neighbors believe. It's what our bosses and our coworkers promote to us. It's coming through every news outlet, through every page on social media. And it doesn't just influence us. It influences our families. It influences our children. We are marinating in the cultural milieu around us. And the problem is is that so often what is happening around us is completely opposite of the character of God. It's completely opposite of what God has for us, of his kingdom, of his values. And because of what we live in, I want to say to us that we need Sabbaths, that we need to step away and step back from all of that stuff and marinate ourselves in the presence of God. We need to marinate ourselves in the kingdom of God, in his thinking. Does that make sense to you guys? You with me on this? That's why we need Sabbath. Let me talk about noise for a second with you, okay? We live in a culture that has constant distraction, right? Constant noise coming at us through our phones, our iPads, our computers, our TVs, our radios, social media, our you know, apps, our homepages, all over the place. And the, the message, the noise, is a constant call to consume, to believe, to chase, to accumulate, to drink pumpkin spice lattes, Right? Am I hitting close to home here? What would America do without the pumpkin in the fall, right? If you just took away the pumpkin, we'd be dead. Billions, maybe trillions of money would go down the drain without the pumpkin, right? Thank God for the pumpkin. And all of, the, all of these devices, all this stuff that we surround ourselves with, the stuff that we keep in our pockets, it is constantly screaming at us, look over here. Believe what it is that I'm telling you. One of my favorite books is uh, a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And uh, it is a, sort of an allegory. It's a story, a fictional story that tells a truth of, of spiritual life. And it's a dialogue between Screwtape, who is a chief demon, right? He's a demon, a satanic demon. And he's mentoring his nephew, Wormwood, right? And he's teaching Wormwood how to be a great demon. And essentially, what he's teaching Wormwood to do is how to cancel, how to end. How to thwart the the uh, the faith of an assignment that he has the faith of a, of a young man. So he's mentoring his nephew Wormwood. How can I destroy the faith of this young guy? And Screw Tape uh, tells Wormwood this. He said that um, that silence is a danger. To our cause, to our kingdom, and that the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise, And he said this to wormwood, he said, "We will soon make the whole universe a noise in the end. And I want to say to you guys, I want to say to, to screw tape and wormwood, we're getting there. We're getting there. The, the life that we live in is a noise. And, and I want you to just think for a second. Can you imagine what this noise, what this cacophony is doing? to our spirits. What is this cacophony doing to our ability to, to tune in and to hear the still small voice of God? We need Sabbath rest because we need to find a quiet place away from the noise that we live in. You with me? Let's talk about work for a second. Unlike other places in the world, even unlike other Western countries in the world here in America, our work drives us. If you were a fly on the wall of any conversation between two men who were meeting each other for the first time, what would be the first question that they ask each other? What do you do for a living? Right? I actually met somebody new this week, a guy, and I purposed myself to not ask him what he did for a living. It was excruciating. I had nothing to say to this guy, me. Like, I had no idea how to talk to this man because I couldn't find out what he did for a living. I couldn't tell him what I did, right? It's like, I don't know where to go with you. I'm really sorry. I'm just going to go away, right? That is, seriously, I don't know what to do about that, right? Because our work defines us. It defines who we are. It drives us. I think I've shared with you guys in the past, I was at um, Mariano's a couple years ago, and there was an Australian woman at the checkout, and I love talking to people from different countries, and so as she was uh, running me through, I said, hey, tell me the difference between um, Americans and Australians, and she said, that's easy, like instantly, that's super, super easy. She said, Australians work to live, and Americans live to work. And I thought, oh, goodness, that's not very good, right? But our culture presses us to work hard, to work long, and it teaches us that upward mobility and the accumulation of goods and the pursuit of money should be given more importance than nearly anything in our lives. I want to say to us that we need Sabbath. We talk about sleep for a second. Did you guys know that for centuries and centuries and centuries, the average person slept 11 hours per night for, for literally a, a millennium. 11 hours a night is what people slept. And that all changed a little over 100 years ago here in America. You know what happened a little bit over 100 years ago? The light bulb was invented, right? Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And from that point on, we could work at night. And that's what we did. And we went from 11 hours of sleep per night to seven hours of sleep per night. We lost four hours of sleep overnight. And I want you to imagine what is that doing to our souls? What is it doing to our bodies? What is it doing to how we um, bring ourselves to our deepest relationships? Might we need Sabbath rest? Now, I'm going to hit it very, very personally with one last little uh, thing that I want to do with you guys. I want, to, I want you to think about your own hearts. Uh, and to, to get there, I want to talk about Jeff Foxworthy, uh, the comedian of the 90s. Anybody know who Jeff Foxworthy is? Okay, so he is a guy, if, you, if you're young, you probably don't know him, but he is this, uh, this comedian who was from Georgia, and his whole shtick was, you might be a redneck if, and then he filled in the blank, right? Okay, so here are some of Jeff, Jeff Fox, Foxworthy's, you might be a redneck if. I'm going to start with a, a church one. He said this, if you have ever made change in the offering plate, <laughs> you might be a redneck, Right? He said, you might be a redneck if your lifetime goal is to own a firework stand. You might be a redneck if you think you're an entrepreneur because you have a dirt for sale sign in your front yard. (laughs) Two more. He said, you might be a redneck if the blue book value on your pickup truck goes up or down depending on how much gas it has in it. (laughs) And the last one is, you might be a redneck if... You've ever financed a tattoo. All right, so those are his, you might be a redneck. So I want to say you might need Sabbath if you struggle with kind of chronic irritability. You get frustrated early and you get frustrated often. You might need Sabbath if you struggle with restlessness, if you feel like you can't slow down, you feel like you can't relax, you can't just sit and be. You might need Sabbath if you struggle with workaholism or nonstop activity. You don't know how to stop. You don't know when to stop. You might need Sabbath if your priorities are out of order, if you've lost touch with your calling, if you've lost touch with your identity. You might need Sabbath if you have a lack of care for your body, if you're not good to your body, if you don't get enough sleep, if you don't eat well, if you don't exercise, even though you want to. You might need Sabbath if you kind of have escapist behavior where you spend too much time all by yourself doing Netflix or social media. You might need Sabbath if your spiritual connection with the Lord, your spiritual disciplines or those conduits of God's grace have gone by the wayside and you don't seem to be able to have time with the Lord in prayer or time in the, you know, in the word or time worshiping. You might need Sabbath if you feel disconnected, disconnected from God, disconnected to the church and maybe even disconnected to yourself, to your own soul. And I want to ask Is this ringing any bells with any of you guys this morning? And so after all of that, the question I would ask is, is why would God want you or I to spend one seventh of our life resting? And I would say that the answer is because if we don't spend one seventh of our life resting, we will not spend the other six sevenths of our life very well. At all. And so, what is Sabbath, church? What is Sabbath? Well, uh, Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, which is Shabbat, and it simply means to stop. Just stop, right? And so, Sabbath is a day to stop. It's a day to stop working, it's a day to stop running, it's a day to stop consuming, stop stressing, stop chasing. Stop distracting. There's another Old Testament word. It's called nuach. And it means to come to rest somewhere. And my key scripture for uh, Sabbath today is going to come right out of the Ten Commandments. And this is Exodus chapter 20. Starting in verse 8. And um, I'll read it in just a moment. This is not a pumpkin spice latte, by the way. I rebel. Um, Okay, so it says this. Remember... This is for us. Remember, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is God himself speaking, by the way, remember to observe, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated. That's important. Dedicated to the Lord, your God. And on that day, no one in your household May do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, He, who's the He? God rested. He rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it and He set it apart as holy. Think about it. God. Rested, he worked and he created and he looked on his creation and he saw that it was good. And then he rested and in creating you and I like himself, he wove into the fabric of who we are, the need for rest. He just like him, he called us to subdue the earth, to rule over it, to carry his authority on the earth Six days a week, but on the seventh day, just like him, he calls us to rest. I want to pitch to you that the need for Sabbath is ingrained in our wiring. It's ingrained in who we are, in how we were created. God made this for us. Now, I want to talk about manna for a second, and you might think, well, this is a little bit of a, like a, you know, sort of a right turn, but manna is important to us because believe it or not, manna is going to help us to understand the Sabbath better, okay? So in Exodus chapter 16, we see the Israelites, they're wandering around in the wilderness, they're trying to get to the promised land, and they've completely run out of food, they're in the desert, they have no access to food, right? And so what happens is, is that God comes and miraculously provides food for them, and the food was Called manna, right? And the Hebrew word for manna, the definition of manna is this. What the heck is it? That's the definition of manna, right? I don't think that like anywhere there's an actual what the heck, but the the actual definition of manna is what is it, right? They had no idea what this stuff was. But here's the point, and it's an important one, it's an object lesson for us about why we need Sabbath. And it's this, the manna, this strange food was a gift directly from God. It was his provision for them. It was his provision for their sustenance. And there was always enough. God would provide it and they would gather it up and they would eat it, right? And they would just put it in baskets and live on it each day. But On the seventh day, the Israelites would stop gathering the food, they would stop gathering the manna, and they were to stop, and they were to rest, and they were to trust that what God provided, the manna that God provided on day six, would actually be enough for day seven. And in doing that, that was a picture for them that their hope, their trust, what they were to live on, it all came from God. It wasn't going to happen because of what they were able to do. It wasn't going to come because of their catalytic abilities, their smarts, their hard work. What their, the life that they had was provided to them by God. And so on that seventh day, they rested from their pursuing, they rested from their striving, they rested from their working, and they had to trust that what God had done in days one through six would be enough to carry them through day seven. And it was a, it stirred up a trust and a reliance on God in them. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to pause and to recognize that everything that you have Everything comes from the Lord. Not one penny of what you have came from any other place than the Lord. Your house, your goods, everything. It's all the Lord's. He provided every bit of it. And so when he calls us to Sabbath rest, what he's calling us to do is to set all of our fake accumulation, the stuff that we did, to set all of that aside and to say, my life is yours. You provide everything that I have. I trust completely in you. Does that make sense? So you might be wondering, like, is this like a rule you just read out of the Ten Commandments? I thought that they were not under the law. Didn't Jesus, like, solve all that for us? And it's true. He fulfilled the law. But here's the way I want us to think about this, okay? Um, it's like, there's there's no rule out there. That says that you can't binge watch Netflix on Monday night from midnight to six in the morning and then wake up and have an important meeting on Tuesday. There's no law that says that you can't do that, but it won't work out very well for you. You're going to have a cruddy Tuesday, right? But there's no rule about that. There's no rule that says that you have to eat healthy food all the time. But if you never do, you're going to suffer the effects of having a poor diet. You just will. Uh, there's no law about any of this stuff, but it falls into the category of God's wisdom and his plan. And he says, I made you. I created you. I know how you work best. I know how you tick and I know what you need because I put it in you. And so if we want to be wise, then we would follow God's instructions for us because otherwise we will be kicking against the grain of how we were created. So put Sabbath into the category of a loving uh, instruction from your maker, the one who knows you better than you know yourself. And yet many of us suffer because we routinely turn our backs on Sabbath. And that's why the author of Hebrews writes this. He said, make every effort To enter into that rest. Make every effort, church, to enter into that rest. And Jesus said this very famously. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You're going to hear about this in a second. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my Yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus says take my yoke upon you, a yoke, a rabbi's yoke. Jesus was a rabbi. He had followers and a rabbi's yoke was the rabbi's teaching about how to do life. How to do life with God? How to do relationship with God? How to do marriage? How to do kids? How to organize your time? What a good life would look like? And so what Jesus was saying is this take my whole body of teaching about life, how to live and live that life out. That's Jesus's yoke. And he says, when you take my yoke on, when you, when you follow my instructions, when you honor and obey me and trust me with how you live, you're going to find rest for your souls. You're going to find that your life got easy. You're going to find that the burdens that you used to carry have gone away because Jesus's burdens are light and he brings rest for us. Am I making a good case for Sabbath? All right, so what could Sabbath rest look like for you and for I, right? Well, in the New Testament, the Sabbath day was called the Lord's Day, right? It was a day set aside to the Lord, right? And that happened both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let's start with the easy piece of this, the first part. Biblically, a core practice, the core practice for Sabbath day. It was the core practice of Jesus's life. It was the core practice of Paul and Peter and all the old, other old Testament figures and new Testament figures. And it would be this, a core practice of Sabbath day is to gather together in the church, to gather together at the temple. And of course, this is why again, the author of Hebrews says this, and let us not double negative. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his, his, his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another instead, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I want to say this, so sad, that unlike the last 4,000 years of history, somewhere over the last 30 years of American history, Christians who love Jesus, who follow God, who are all in, have somehow gotten the idea that gathering together is an option. That this is like a nice thing to do, and maybe even a slightly important thing to do, but we don't have to. We have freedom now. We don't have to gather together. And when we think that, when we neglect our being together as a family, our calls, when we neglect doing that, We are neglecting a serious call on our lives to do two things. One, to come and to worship God together in this house. And secondly, we are neglecting the call on us to be together so that we can encourage one another and so that we can be encouraged. You guys being here is not just some sort of thing that you do as part of our culture. Actually, we were saying about tearing down old religious ways in our worship time, right? This isn't just a thing we do. This is a thing that was poor, that was like ingrained into what God has for how we will grow and thrive as a church and as people okay And so I want to encourage you guys, I want to challenge you guys to make the gathering together in this place a priority for you. Because it was a priority of Jesus. It was his custom. It was Paul's custom. I didn't have time to list all the scriptures, but it is a regular rhythm of any person that would grow in in Christ, okay? And so for me, I just want to say in my own life, being here with you all sets the tone. It sets the table for the rest of my Sabbath day. It changes everything. It just gets me ready for Sabbath, okay? Now, so that's the first piece, gathering together. Now, for the rest of how um, we might spend our Sabbath and how I want to help you guys to engage Sabbath, I have this very, very clever acronym that's going to help you to remember this. Unfortunately, my acronym is the worst acronym ever regarding Sabbath, right? There it is. We're going to (laughs) race, I really tried to get Sabbath to fit into a rest, R-E-S-T. Nope, can't do it. It can never be done. There's no preacher that will ever find a good Sabbath rest from the R-E-S-T. So we're going to race. We're racing to Sabbath, right? And so here is what race means. Sabbath is a day where we are going to race. We are resting. We are attending. We are connecting And we are enjoying and I actually hope that you will write this on your phone that you will post it somewhere in your house so that you can be reminded of this. Okay, so when we race we start by taking much needed rest second that we do thing that we do is we attend and what I mean by that is is we attend to our own hearts primarily we attend to our hearts and we will also attend to the hearts of our key people. Number three, we connect. We connect with God and we connect again to the important people in our lives or people that bring us life. And finally, at the end of this, we stop everything to simply enjoy. To enjoy the blessings of God. Does, is this starting to feel like, ooh, this could be kind of cool? I hope that's I hope that it is for you guys, all right? So what does this look like for you? Well, um, Jesus said that the Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And what he meant by that is, is this whole Sabbath, it's supposed to edify you. It's supposed to strengthen you. So your Sabbath may look very different from my Sabbath. And that's perfectly fine. That's the way it should be. But the point is, is that we would um, become rested. We, we, we would be given life. We would be rejuvenated and refreshed emotionally, physically, spiritually relationally, that we would come out of our Sabbath day energized and powerful and excited about what's next. So let's talk about resting. Okay, so resting in the Lord is the first thing. And I'm not talking about zoning out in front of the TV or doing Pinterest all day. The author of the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson, calls that bastard Sabbath, actually. we Often we think we're doing Sabbath and we're actually doing a horrible version of it. But Sabbath is about resting and about finding and doing the thing that gives us our truest rest, that brings the most life to our soul, that refreshes us for the start of our week. And so I want you to think for a second, what really energizes you? What really gives you life? That would be the first Piece of Sabbath, and so if you are um, if you're a person that sits at a desk all week long and your neck gets all like stiff and stuff like that, for you Sabbath might be riding a bike or golfing or taking a walk or something like that. But if you're a person that works physically hard during the week, Sabbath for you would have to include a three hour nap. I would assume, right? That's I mean, how does how do you get rested? How do you get re-energized? Rest is the first piece of Sabbath. The second one is attending. And what we're talking about is we're talking about attending to our own hearts, about stepping back to just dwell with ourselves and to just kind of go, how am I doing right now? Am I happy? Am I Frustrated? Am I sad? Am I I overly tired? Am I worried about something? And I think a a really good thing to have when we attend to ourselves is to have um, a notebook so that we could just write our hearts down on a piece of paper. I think oftentimes launching, attending with like reading a psalm or something like that can be really, really life-giving. But we want to get our hearts out and we want to come into contact with how we're really doing and we don't judge it. We don't try to change it. We just present it. To the Lord, it's like this is where I'm at, and so write that stuff down and get it out and just offer it to the Lord. You don't have to do anything other than discover, discover where you're at. And the other thing that I like about attending is that um, attending kind of brings us to our uh, our next piece of Sabbath, and that's connecting because not only do we attend to our own hearts, and we primarily attend to our own hearts. I want that to be the first thing, but we can also attend to the hearts of the most key people around us. We can check in with them. How are they doing? It's space and time to be able to do that. So let's talk about connecting for a second. Okay. Not only do we attend to our own hearts, but we um, connect to our key people, to our key relationships. And we do that by taking time. Time is the most important thing in those relationships. And I want you to, to make Sabbath day relationship day. I want you to make Sabbath day a day where there's extra space and extra time, maybe all the time that you need to just rest with key people, right? And so in my family, a couple of things that we try to do is I love couch time with Molly. And so what I try to do is Molly and I will just get on the couch. We put away our screens, we turn off the TV and we just sit and be together. We actually do this with our kids. It is a battle. We force them to get rid of their phones. They hate it. Sometimes one kid just won't, won't lose the phone, and we're just like, we're going to do it anyway, but we sit on the couch together, and we just talk. We talk about whatever. There's no agenda, but we just hang out Together, Molly and I, uh, we love to take walks together, right? And so we just walk. I walk in the forest preserve, just to, to you know, with Molly, just to be in each other's presence. So we connect with God that way, right? And then finally, uh, as we're racing, we're, we're resting, we're attending to our hearts, we're connecting with our key people, and finally, and maybe this is your favorite piece, we enjoy, we enjoy. Um, and on the Sabbath, we step back from our striving. We even step back from our striving to to please God. We step back from our trying to do all the evangelizing and all the hard work of stuff. And on this day of rest, we can just be with God, we can just relax with him instead of working so hard, worrying about how we 're doing with Him instead, we can just enjoy His grace and his mercy. We can just sit with our heavenly father you don 't have to drive yourself crazy about uh, work anymore you don 't have to drive yourself crazy about how am I doing uh, in you know my job or w- with the kids it 's just a time to rest and i um, I love this about Molly so it, it, Molly in our house our Uh, Our kitchen and our counter has an appliance for every possible food thing you can possibly imagine. We have an appliance that makes everything, right? And so we have a countertop air fryer, we have ice cream makers, we have crock pots, we have fondue, we have blenders and juicers and every, you know, espresso makers, right? And so during the week, you could say that we sort of work during the week To pay for all of that stuff, right? Like we work to accumulate that stuff. We work to get it. But you know what Molly does every Sunday afternoon? You know what she'll be doing two hours from now? She'll be in our kitchen using one of those items because it gives her joy. She's in the kitchen baking. She's in the kitchen whipping up some sort of like a bowl of fruity goodness of some sort. I don't know what she's, but it's, it's got Coke, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so Molly loves to spend Sunday afternoons just making food that she loves, that we love and food to give away to people because it brings her life. She enjoys it. And so I want to ask you guys, what do you enjoy In your life, because that is a spiritual thing. And on Sunday afternoons, as we give our hearts and our days to God, God says, I want you to do something that will bring joy to your heart. How's that sound? Is this this making any sense to you guys? Okay, so we're wrapping up. I want to implore you. I want to invite you. I want to challenge you. Whatever the word is that could get you to shift your thinking, whatever the word is that could get you to look at how you spend, presumably your Sunday or whatever Sabbath day you would have, I would like to, to ask you to rethink the whole thing. I'd like to ask you to look at how you've been living your life and to just sort of go, am I actually living in Sabbath rest? Am I actually doing this thing that God has ingrained in me and called me to do? Am I actually showing up on Monday morning rested and excited and ready to go? Because I have had such an amazing day on Sunday, because if your Sundays aren't amazing, then you're probably not yet experiencing what God has for you in Sabbath rest. And the promise of course, is, is that if you spend this day, this Sabbath day, racing, right? Resting, um, attending, connecting and enjoying. If you do that every other day that you live will be blessed. And so I'm going to close with the scripture, Matthew 11, as you can imagine, God is just so good. And this ain't just some sort of talk that the preacher gives that you guys, um, can just you know, walk away from. God actually has rest for you. He longs for a better life for you. This rest thing—it's really not about like God getting some sort of glory. It's about your your good. And so, let's just open up our hearts because the Spirit of God wants to um, heal your heart this morning. And I know that there are many in here that have been stretched too thin there are many in here that have lived in a way that just isn't God, it isn't restful it doesn't bring life and the spirit is calling you back, he's calling you to repent, to turn away from empty practices and to live a new life, a life of trusting in him manna life Here's um, what Jesus said again. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's one of the best lines ever. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I won't make your life worse. I'll make it better. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, and so, Lord, I pray that you would um, turn our hearts towards you on Sabbath day, the day of the Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that the the noise and the lies of our culture that are scarily beginning to make sense to us because we've been living in it for so long. I pray that you would silence that noise. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we step into this trusting place, even though it might scare us, even though we don't know how to do it yet, that as we step into this place of trust in observing Sabbath, of, of, of taking it in for ourselves, of walking it out for ourselves, I pray that, it, that you would provide real rest. And for any one of us that we just say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to give up whole day of my life I just pray Lord Jesus that you would um, send your spirit to tutor us that you would send your spirit to counsel us that you would send your spirit to give us confidence in you and I, I just pray I, church I can get I'm getting this feeling that for any of us that would trust God in this that would take him up on this I, I just got this sense that six months from now you will be a different person will be a different person. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I see you guys just opening up your hearts to him. Just receive the loving ministry of the Spirit right now. There are some in here that feel a sense of guilt. Some feel a sense of shame because you haven't walked in this. And that's just a lie of the enemy. And so we, um, Lord, we just rebuke any condemnation around this. And we rebuke any sense of hopelessness like I can't do that. And I pray, Lord, would you pour out faith right now? Would you pour out faith and confidence and a desire, a zeal for you? Church, if the Lord gets This first day of your week, he is going to have so much more of you for every other day. This is big.